Welcome to the bridge. We're so truly grateful that you're here and a part of our church and a part of the church, the church of Jesus Christ, that it's global. And uh, just so grateful that we're able to partner with people like the McCoins to uh, go to that foreign land to teach uh, other peoples about this way uh, that Jesus left us with, known as the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus gave us that, and he uh, provided that for us in his life so that we would follow after what he accomplished and what he did. And he said it was beneficial for him to go away so that the church could expand and expound upon the things that he uh, planted seeds in humanity. And we are a part of that movement. And I'm so grateful uh, and humbled to just be considered worthy by him to stand up and speak on his behalf and to be a part of his body, which is known as the church. And you as Christians in this place today, you are part of that movement. It's the movement known as the Church of Jesus Christ. Aren't you excited to be back in person and here where we can feel the Spirit of God? Amen. I feel him here with me this morning, and I'm grateful for his presence, just like the song said. And if we would just open our hearts and consider a few thoughts today is my intent. And the main idea of this sermon series known as Primal, the humane race, is to create a dialogue and a synergy in the people of the Bridge Church to be humane in our presentation of the gospel of Jesus. Basically, we intend, to, intend this to be a lesson on Christian humanities of being all things to all people that we may win some. And to empower them to know historical successes and faults of the church. To prove the point of what Christians are perceived to be by those who are lost. Which basically is those that are not yet found. We, choose to be a, we chose this book study by the author Mark Batterson. He's a pastor of the church in Washington, D.C. Just a few blocks away from the capital, the U.S. Capitol. National Community Church. It's a great thriving congregation of thousands with multi uh, different places that they meet in. And Pastor Mark, he pastors people from all branches of government that attend that church and people of different belief systems as far as what they believe about society and economics and different things like that. They join together under one roof and serve one God. There's one amen in this church. There needs to be more than that. I said people can get along when they come under the roof of a church known as a place of uniting. Amen. That's who Jesus was. He was the greatest uniter that ever walked this planet called earth. He united people from different belief systems, from different uh, philosophical ideals of ways of living. He united people into this thing known is the church. Mark Batterson published a book back in 2010 called Primal. He did this in hopes of leading the church to strip down their faith to its very core and to bring about a Reformation movement. So today we've kindly set the scene here 
in the building known as the church here of the bridge, but the, it's just a building. We're the church. The people sitting in here is the church. Amen? This is just a building. But we set the stage here today for this primal effect. So these books that we're going to be doing, the book study known as Primal, for the next several weeks, it's about getting us as a church to dig into this ideal and this thought process to get us down to the basics because I believe that's what the church has left. Amen? We've become too wise in our own eyes. And God warns us against those things that we should not be conceited or have vainglory. Amen? That we should look at humanity with eyes of compassion, with mercy, with grace, with all the things that Jesus looked upon humanity. That's how we should look at humanity. We shouldn't look at others with disdain or thought process that, well, you're not like me. But we should look at them as they are human and they deserve our kindness. Amen? They deserve mercy and grace extended from us as a church. Humane in the dictionary is defined as this, as having or showing compassion or benevolence. It's also part two of that in the meaning in the dictionary. It says that humane means to intended to have a, a civilizing or refining effect on people. Look to your neighbor and say, you need to be more civilized. Come on, somebody. You need to be more civilized. Because whenever we watch the news, all we see is uncivilized. Amen? They show unrest. They show uneasiness. Whenever we watch the news too much, we get uneasy. We get anxiety. We get uh, fear. And all these things begin to take over of us because we're looking at things through the lens of what people's trying to provide us to say this is what you need to believe about your neighbor. Amen? But whenever I turn off the news and I turn on the scripture, amen, it changes my worldview. It changes my perspective. It changes everything in how I look at people. Then I can look at my neighbor and hate them because I'm watching the news and I don't like this type of people. But I can look at my Bible and read a verse and then look at that same exact person and say, wow, I love you. Here's where we're at. We need to be humane not in humane society where that we just have hearts of compassion upon dogs and cats. Come on, somebody. You know those TV shows. Yeah. Commercials. Commercials, yeah. What's, what's the song? No, it, in the arms of an angel. Yeah. Michelle Clark. Oh, my. Just in the arms of an angel. Just pulls at your heartstrings. It's like you're jerking your heart out of your chest and you're sitting there and some dog's shivering out in the cold and you're like, ah! Let me adopt all of them, please. Come on now. That's how we are as people. And how sad is it to be a part of this thing known as the church and look at a dog with that kind of compassion? Or a cat with that kind of compassion. But then we look at somebody over that's from a different political party than us. And we say, I can't stand you. I can't wait for you to burn in the pits of hell. What's wrong with the church? Yeah. 
If we've got more compassion for a dog than we do for humans, then we need to reevaluate our faith. Now, I'm not telling you to go home and kick your dog. Amen. Poor little Sadie. Whew. Oh, if I had the video pull up. Oh, we won't. Somebody in the congregation's got a cat, and it about went through the door there the night. And there's a video of them absolutely crying with tears flowing down their face that the cat about got out the door. And it was awesome because in that moment, you could sense the urgency and the despair that the cat was about to run away. No, we can't do it. We, we, we love our neighbor too much. We're too humane as a church to do that to one of our members. But what if we had that same fear and excitement and angst whenever we looked at somebody and thought, if they don't get to know Jesus, they're going to go to hell. And what if we had that same anticipation to make sure I'm going to provide an atmosphere of safety and inclusion. Church, where are we at? It's who we need to be as Christians. I had a pastor friend a few years ago that lost his dog and it ran away. And he pastored a church for years and he don't believe exactly like me. He don't have all the same doctrine that I have, but I do know this, that he loves Jesus. And I had sat down and had multiple conversations with him. He was an employee of mine. I was a manager. And we would sit and discuss the Bible and discuss what he believed, and he would listen to what I believed, and we were very humane in our approach to one another. We were very thoughtful about how the other believed. And actually, he's part of the church that on a weekly basis gets up and picks out a box and comes up front and people stand around and they grab snakes out of boxes and they hold them. And it scares me to death to think about that. But it's normal to him in the culture that he was raised in, in the church that he was raised in, and it was normal to him. You see, I can look upon him and say he is dead wrong, everything he's doing is wrong, and have my ideal and my philosophy and put it on him and say, you can only be a part of the church if you do it my way. And what if we would step back just for a moment and say, would Jesus be accepting of a person that's doing church a little bit different than what he wanted it done? You know what that's called? It's called grace. And don't be, don't take this out of context. And people on the video is going to be watching. I don't know who watches our videos. There's a lot of hits happens every weekend on that thing, but it's okay. I can tell you right now, there's going to be Catholics in heaven. There's going to be Methodists in heaven. There's going to be Baptists in heaven. There's going to be Christians in heaven. There's going to be ever denominate. And I even believe that there will be some snake handlers in heaven. 
everybody's just take a breath it'll be okay and I know you're a little uneasy right now and I'm not pulling out any boxes I'm not done but this guy loved God and he loved people and he got to talking about when that dog ran away that him and his wife and they called everybody they knew and they run all over town searching for his little missing dog he said it was just like so much fear and anxiety run all over him that he chased and did everything possible he could do to find this little animal. Actually, it went on a few days. He said the lesson that he learned from it was whenever he heard the voice of God say, what if you cared about souls as much as you did about that dog? It changed his perspective on what he's supposed to be doing. And I wonder if we as a church here at the bridge have truly this eyes and heart of compassion that Jesus has upon a society of the world that is lost and undone without him. Are we looking at people as souls or are we looking at them as just somebody else that's venturing through life? We are to be humane in how we think. He did find his dog. And I just wonder how many other people he found because of the lesson that he learned. As in inviting them to come to know Jesus. This word primal. Looked it up and thought about it and what does primal mean? It's a word related to the word prime. The root word of it is prime. And in the Greek or Latin, it's primus, which means the first. And also this word ties into like primitive. These terms that we know is in the first. And whenever we think back and look back upon society and history and the lessons we need to learn as humans, they say if you don't learn from history, you're doomed and destined to repeat it. How many has been through the school of hard knocks? Amen. I've had so many hard knocks I've beat my forehead off and, and now look at Even took all my hair. That's some hard knocks, amen? We need to learn from history, and we need a crash course in Christian humanity so that we do not mis make the same mistakes as the church has made in times past. I was talking to a guy just last week, and I was talking to him about just I, I knew him for a long time and he began to open up and he's in this process of life and he began to open up and tell me stories about what all he'd faced and he's in his 60s, mid-60s and began to tell me about his marriages and he began to tell me about losing a baby daughter that was three weeks old and began to tell me about his son that passed away in a car crash and just the, the hurt and the pain 
and the suffering. And when he was talking, my heart began to leap within me because I felt and I empathized with him. I had sympathy for him. I had compassion for him because I felt just a little snippet of what he's felt. And I'm telling you this, he, he said this, he said he's now, he's been a part of the church for a long, long, long time. He said, Ben, I want you to know this. Because I began to tell him about some stuff that I faced. And he said, I've never been hurt like I've been hurt in church. That's a big statement. To somebody that's faced the kind of loss that he's faced. And I've been hurt in church. I've been hurt by people in the church. He said, and the reason I believe that I've hurt so much there is because I trusted so much there that it was supposed to be a place of safety, of openness, of inclusiveness. And whenever I do open up, people will hurt you. Can I tell you that here at the bridge... We stand for compassion. Amen? We stand for inclusiveness. We stand for diversity. And whenever people of different races walk in here, I don't want them to feel like they're a different part of society and there's some segmented group that don't deserve a right to be here. I don't care what color your skin is. Amen? I don't care what nation you come from. It doesn't matter to me because when you walk in these doors, it's supposed to be a safe place. Amen? That the church should be a place that we welcome each other with open arms. And right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and I know we can't hug, but guess what? we can give an air hug and you can be around somebody for just a few minutes and you can tell whether they like you or not amen. Leslie's got it wrote all over her face I'm glad she's wearing a mask right now amen her face tells the truth if she's mad at you her nose they, her nostrils get that wide they, that's how I know when I'm in trouble her nose flares out it's like uh oh I just gotta shut up I better sit down amen Takes after her mom, no, Sherney. Yeah. 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 Preach truth, Pastor. Preach truth, Pastor. Amen. But the reason I, I told Leslie and, and I, I said, I want, the, I want the environment to be set for this sermon series where that we truly get a feel, and I want to create an atmosphere for a place where we can feel what I'm talking about being primal or the humane race. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, and this is our verses 9 through 21. Romans 12, 9 through 21. This is talking about being a Christian, the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Fire. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I started out telling you that the intention of this sermon series is for us as a church to have dialogue and synergy. So in saying that, I want you just to take a deep breath. Don't breathe on your neighbor, just take a deep breath. It means chill it out a little bit. Amen? How many would like some peace? How many's got anxiety? How many's got fears? How many feels perplexed? How many's got some enemies? Amen? When a man's right before God, it's, the Bible says that he will make even your enemies be at peace with you. Peace. Everybody say that. Peace. I don't think everybody said it loud enough. Peace. That's what Jesus said when he was in the middle of a storm when all the disciples was falling apart and he was standing on the boat and he leaned up on the bow of that boat and he looked at those waves and he looked at that wind and he looked at those storm clouds and he said, Peace, be still. And guess what happened? Peace came. Why? Because the storm went back. Amen. The waves, they subsided and they went down and there was a calm come upon the waves of that sea. Guess what can happen whenever you look out upon situations in your life and you've got a primal movement and something on the inside of you and you've got the fire of God and you say, peace, be still. What's going to happen in your life? What's going to happen when those enemies look at you with disdain and they hate you and they can't stand that you're breathing air and you just look and you go over that situation in your mind before you get there and you say, peace, be still. I'm talking about a church that has power in its words. And they're not empty words where we're just saying that, but they're words of intentionality that I'm expecting an outcome to happen. I'm expecting some change in my life. And what if we go into 2021 with this mindset of being primal, of being a humane people that says peace to all circumstances in my life. Peace. And when your daddy has got to go for some more treatments. And what if we just go into life saying peace. I declare it. I decree it. Jesus left his disciples and he told them, he said, whatsoever things you say, you shall have them if you believe and faint not. Amen. You will have them if you say them and you believe them. How many needs that? Jesus will give you the words to say. 
Romans chapter 8 tells us that sometimes we don't even have words to say. And it says that the spirit will yearn up within us. And there will be groanings and utterances that cannot be understood because we're making intercession before God through the Holy Spirit working through us. That says, I don't even know what to pray anymore. Guess what? But something on the inside of me is yearning and longing for the presence of God to change my circumstances. And what's going to happen if I believe and have faith? I'm going to receive something from God today. So this atmosphere of these fire around above your head, and Derek warned me a little bit while ago, he said, you better watch out because what if one of them falls down, there's fire lands in somebody's lap, and, and then they catch on fire, and then, you know, it's like scary. Oh, no, what, what ifs? And when he said that, I was like, uh, uh, maybe we'll just go out and blow out all the candles now. No. I hold your life dearly, but sorry, Andrew. Tommy might... He's sitting right underneath that candle right there. His, his hair will catch on fire. Then he'll look like me. It'd be awful. So let's imagine ourselves back 2,000 years ago from today. I want you to imagine this with me. I want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody here, close your eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself 2,000 years ago. Jesus still walking the earth and we're sitting in a church service with him wow and he walks through the congregation and we're sitting in this primal old school place just the thought of being in his presence brings about a desire to be the best version of ourselves that we can be like literally who who wants to let Jesus down nobody when he begins to speak, we would listen like we've never listened before. That's primal. That's being part of the humane race. I hope you can feel what I'm talking about. I hope you can sense what I'm saying. That Jesus was here in the flesh and he said, it is a benefit that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be a comforter. He's going to be a comforter. He's going to bring comfort to the oppressed. He's going to bring comfort to the hurting. He's going to bring comfort to the anxious. He's going to bring comfort to those who mourn. Open up your eyes. Jesus is not here in the flesh. But I promise you this. He didn't lie when he said he was sending the Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is here. And he's well able to enter our hearts our minds, 
our soul, and all of our being if we invite him in. Primal and humane. So I started this out and said that we need some dialogue and we need synergy. Dialogue is talking through words. Dialect, there's all kinds of words that go around this term. And dialogue is something where that we communicate effectively and people can understand and feel and know what we're talking about. We are different people. But you can go anywhere throughout the earth. You can say the word hallelujah. And it's universal. You can have different languages. You can have different dialects. You can have different everything. Reinhard Bonnke, a great evangelist, went throughout African nation and he hold these great, I, I mean, thousands upon thousands and sometimes even millions of people in a church service in the tribes of Africa. There's, there's videos of it. You can look it up on YouTube and look at this. Reinhard Bonnke is his name. He's a great evangelist. And he would preach. And the Holy Spirit would minister. And there was people there that would change and he would talk in English and then the person would dialogue with the, with the congregation in their language. But it was always amazing to me that they could just say hallelujah. And there's videos of this where that it's like a sea of people. Can you imagine the million man march in Washington, D.C. and everybody in unison like a wave. Just somebody out in the back of the pack says hallelujah. And it reverberated across the crowd and everybody there began to say it. It's a uniting. It's a praise of God that brings about a unity. And what if we could feel that? And what if we could have dialogue where that we know that when we pray that God hears? What if we would have dialogue with our neighbors that are different than us? What if we had dialogue with those that we don't even like very much? So whenever we start this book study and by Mark Batterson Primal, I want you to do this for me. We got some of the books today, and yes, the mail is super slow, and we're supposed to start this week, but we can't because the books didn't get here, and that's going to be okay. Everybody knows. Sometimes you've got to roll with it. Amen? It's going to be okay. We're going to get the books. We've got some here, and Leslie's already sold some of them, so if you've spoken for them, hopefully we've got enough here to cover those. The other ones are coming. As you read this book, don't go too fast. I know there's some speed readers. I know people that could read this book in an hour and a half or something, speed readers. I don't want you doing that. I want you to take this slow. And I want you to do it primitive. So here's what I want you to do. Wherever you read your book, I want you to get a candle out. And I want you to shut the lights off in the room. And I want us to be primal about this. You hear me? 
And I want you to read by candlelight because it's going to bring you to that mindset. But wow. This book, I really believe, is going to help our church. I'm not saying it's the answer. I'm saying it's an extension of this that brings about truths that's in this and brings them into reality so that we can understand them. It's a dialogue. It's words. Mark Batterson is a great author. But this is the greatest author that's ever known. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the answer to our problems. This book is going to help us get to Jesus. Synergy. I wrote that word in talking to the creative team for the church, and I told them that, you know, this series is really about synergy. And it's the interaction of elements that, when combined, produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements. So whenever you have energy, the Bible says it this way, one, put a few to flight, right? As individuals, we can do everything we can do, but it's hard to do much. Amen? It's hard to do things by yourself. And Jesus did not create us as humans to do life alone. We are to have a core group of people around about us that will speak into our lives. That will cause us to have some synergy to know that, man, I couldn't have done this if we didn't do it together. And I can paint a picture for you right here. Those little babies that's carried in change here all year long. Whenever we told them $2,500 at the beginning of the year, like, what could a bunch of five-year-olds, two-year-olds, up to 12-year-olds, what could they do on their own individually? Very little. But together, they done something great. That's synergy. And whenever they got a goal, they met it and even exceeded it. And a lot of that money was used to buy Christmas baskets for kids in the community this year right here in Lewis County through Project Merry Christmas. A lot of that money was used, wasn't it, to buy groceries for families that wasn't going to have food on their table for a Christmas meal, but a bunch of little kids at a church called The Bridge said, I'm going to have some synergy, and I'm going to do some things together, and we're going to bring about good in a world that's full of evil. Amen. It's a change that our world and our society and our culture needs. Synergy is what we need. I want to do something greater than I can do myself. And I promise you this, as pastor, I can, only, I can only talk to so many people. But I know this, if we can get some synergy about the gospel of Jesus in our congregation, how many believes Lewis County can come to know God in a heartbeat if people work together? I love it when churches work together in our community. There's nothing more. There's In harmony, there's blessings that come from that. Whenever pastors will talk to each other and actually not feel like we're competing for the same people. It's not a competition. Amen. It doesn't matter if we have a church of 20, a church of 50, a church of 100, a church of 200. It doesn't matter. All that matters is are we doing our part as the body of Christ to reach the people that God has chose to come into our congregation. I love you with all my heart. Praise and worship team comes, so I'll shut up. Is Dusty still in here? He's teaching. Derek can come up and play with you anyway. I want you to play that same song as the last one that we done.
I will exalt thee. And I want us as a congregation to make a couple of pledges. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted him, and you've never repented of your sins, and you've never asked him for forgiveness, and you've never asked him to allow you to attend heaven in eternity, today would be a real good day to do that. Maybe you've done it before, and maybe you've accepted Jesus before, but because of the things that's happened in the past year, maybe you've fallen away and you've turned back a little bit, and maybe you've been living life your own way. Today would be a good day to be primal and come back to your first love, the love of Jesus to recommit your life to him and ask him to forgive you for falling short and we all have a renewal or refreshing can happen I want everybody here to just say this with me say I pledge to talk civilized the people I don't like. I pledge to work together with others to bring about a reformation of our church. I pledge to be a part of the humane race. I pledge to be primal. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will. Father, we come humbly to your throne of grace. And God, we ask today, Lord, as we make commitments here today, Lord, for those that are praying the salvation's prayer in their heart, in their own words, and are asking you to make their life fresh and new, that they want the old to be done away with, that they want the sin to leave, and they want your freedom to come. God, I pray that you would just renew them, refresh them, create them into the person you designed them to be. And God, for those that's making recommitments to you that they've walked away, Lord, that they've fallen short. God, that you would just refresh and renew them, that your spirit would come in such a way, God, that transforms their life, just like it says in Romans chapter 12, God, that there would be a renewing of their mind, that there's a refreshing, a fresh wave of your goodness and your mercy and your grace comes over them. God, that your spirit would rest upon them and that you would give them peace in all circumstances. And God, I pray for these pledges that we've just made as a congregation. God, for those that are watching online later, God, I pray that as we made these pledges together to dialogue, to have synergy, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That you would give us words to say that unites and doesn't divide. God, that you would give us words to say that are primal. God, I pray that you would give us words to say in synergy that we would have a humane ability about us. That we include others. God, help us as a church to continue your work. 
here in our county, in our region, in our world. God, I pray for the McCoins as they landed in, in Japan, God. God, I pray that you would just cause fresh fire to come upon them, God. Lord, as they begin to minister to those kids of Japan that has never heard the name of your son, Jesus. God, as we know when they was here that over 90% of the people of Japan has never heard the word Jesus. God, I pray, open doors for them that they could speak to multitudes of people. Empower them to do your work that you've called them to do. I say Jesus. Amen. No other name under heaven whereby man must be saved but at the name of Jesus. Jesus changes everything. I hope he's changed you today. Go be blessed. Love somebody before you leave. Let them know how much you care about them and pray for each other. Pray for those that are still homebound for some of the senior citizens that we have that are going through troubling times. And Let's lift all of their burdens together as a church. Amen. Love God, love people. You're dismissed.